Hey everybody, this is Dave Broadbeck coming to you from my podcast studio, which is actually my daughter's old bedroom. Anyway, uh, coming up, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate uh, Statistics. used to be called Design and Analysis, but that was a stupid name, so we changed it. Uh, I hope you like it. This is for fall of 2019, by the way. And uh, like it or not, look, you have to know stats, so... uh... So, today we're going to talk about a very strange topic. Because everything else so far, as you know, has been exceedingly mundane and predictable. Uh, this will be our final topic in analysis variance. We're going to move on to regression and correlation. Which has its own charts. We're talking about unequal cell sizes. Um, wait, that was in the wrong place. It's not advancing. Okay. I have never ever mentioned how having unequal number of subjects per group. I've said, I've just said n equals. We just had in the quiz example n equals three. So. The designs that I'm doing here assume equal ends. Except for the most basic one, which is one-way analysis of variance, it doesn't assume unequal ends. Or equal ends. It can deal with unequal ends. So what's let's what if you do have unequal ends? That's in fact a very common problem. It's a common occurrence uh, when you go to the thesis conference next Friday, which you should all go to. Eight uh, starts at one o'clock. Eight psychology, five biology, no way. It's going to be great. It's going to be science, like crazy science stuff. It's going to be fun. And you will see unequal ends in all kinds of people's experiments. In fact, I bet every experiment, I'm trying to think, I saw the biology what is the Ethan Nova? Yeah, I think they're all, anything, anybody uses anything has unequal ends. And I'm telling you that you need equal ends. And this is not a case of people going, yeah, it's fine. There actually is a way that this is dealt with. And it's transparent to most people, so that's why people don't think about it. Well, one thing one could do. If, if you really cared about having equal ends, is maybe you can estimate missing values. This is sort of part of a larger discussion. If you have values that are missing, perhaps you can estimate them. And at first, that sounds reasonable. When I say something like that, it's pretty clear that it's not reasonable, right? But. There are options in any statistics package to estimate missing values using the mean or the median, usually of the cell. So uh, let's say you're missing some values in A2B2. It just takes the mean or the median of A2B2 and throws that, that value in there to, to make them all even. 
So you got like 9, 9, 9, and 10. In that case, I would randomly select one of the ones with 10, and I would just remove it. I'm not going to add 3. I'm going to remove 1, make them all 9. Or, let's say it's 10, 10, 10, uh, sorry, 10, 11, 11, 11. Well, I want to get 11 in that one cell. I can just take the mean or the median and then do the calculations. Now, here's a question. When you're doing that, though, are you going to look at the cell mean, as I just said, which is taking the interaction that we have? Or am I just going to look at the main effects? Does it affect main or affect B? Because all these things are going to be affected by the number, all these calculations are affected by the number of observations you have in each cell. So it actually becomes a much more complicated question than you think. It's an odd thing to think about, and typically we don't. But from a theoretical standpoint, it's actually kind of a cool thing to think about. No matter what, you don't, I guess you've lost degrees of freedom, or you didn't gain them. So if I estimate a value, it doesn't mean I've now added a, that I get an extra degree of freedom. That wasn't free, that choice. I put it there. The number was not free to vary. I did. Um, a friend of mine told me once about getting an article from a journal, or sorry, getting a review. It's like doing a review, I'm sorry, for a, for a journal. Uh, he's a social psychologist, and he got this thing, and people ran uh, a questionnaire kind of study. Okay, so this, they give him a questionnaire. I don't know what the whole study is, but they have like, 40 cases, and they did a correlation with significant. So the suggestion from the reviewers was to just collect more data. It's going in the right direction. Um, go back collect more data, and see if you actually get a significant effect. If you do that straight, no, well, then you found nothing. But it looks like it's going in the right direction. So go see if you can find something. There's a, one could argue there that's p-hacking. But anyway, the revision comes back really quickly, like within a day kind of thing, which shouldn't happen, because how do you go collect 40 more data points in a day when you're handing out surveys to people? Like, that takes longer. And it came back, and they just doubled the size of the data set. They just take the numbers and copy the paste and make it do it again. No, this is just like 40. This is a different kind of thing, correlation. But what they did is instead of collecting data, they just estimated 40 more data points. They, yes. Now, they weren't doing this on a, in any sort of nefarious way. They just didn't know what the hell they were doing. And two things, first of all, you can't do that. And secondly, then they did this with, they said, instead of having 39 degrees of freedom, now we have 79 degrees of freedom. Oh, yeah, that's significant. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't do that. And again, my friend was convinced that these, these people were not doing this out of any sort of, they were trying, because they said they did it. Like, it wasn't like they, they said, so we are just going uh, to uh, double the data set size, and uh, no worse. But they, they clearly said it in the paper, so obviously they didn't know what they were doing. There wasn't some, it's like today when I said to my son, did you take all that money that was on my dresser? He said, yeah, honestly, it was me. And I said, that's called stealing. 
So to be a thief, I said, you are a thief. You are actually a thief. I was going to give you money anyway. You don't take money. Right? It's the same sort of thing. Like these guys are like, yeah, so we just uh, made up some more numbers and uh, threw them in there and it worked. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not how it works. So that's what these people actually did. But they even had the gall or the lack of understanding to say, oh yeah, degrees of freedom went up too. No, they did not. At least if you do that, say, well, we made those other ones up, so we're going to keep the same degrees of freedom. At that, at least then you go, okay, you're statistically sophisticated, you're just scientifically stupid. <laughs> but at least that would be... So you don't get degrees of freedom when you make up numbers. <laughs> the numbers aren't free to vary. So in fact, most of the time we don't estimate missing values. We usually just ignore them. There's going to be rare occasions where you might, but it's going to be vanishingly small. What do you mean you ignore them? You pretend they aren't there and do a different kind of analysis, which I was not going to say. So there's other ways to do it that are actually a little better. In fact, the way you should do it, really. And when I've been talking about sums of squares, I've been talking about something called type 1 sums of squares. We do it because it's the easiest way to teach it. And conceptually, they're all the same thing. But at the basis of sums of squares, it's actually, well, they're called sums of squares, and they're, deviation, they're square deviations from means. They're not really defined that way. They're actually done quite through matrix algebra. And I'm not going to put you through that. You almost maybe quit graduate school. So, okay. I was just making, just putting big matrix names, just writing numbers. I had no idea. That's like one, two, one, one, zero, zero, one. I had nothing. Matrix algebra is, is was it was the death. That was the, the math when I went. Okay, that's enough math now. That's enough. I can do all kinds of things, all kinds of really cool calculus and stuff. But that no, can't do that. And I'm in PhD one, and my prof is like, "You've all done matrix algebra like in high school, right?" I'm like, "I took three math courses in grade 13. I did matrix algebra." And we're all we're all sitting like, "Oh, like, oh here's that book. I photocopied the book for you. You should read it. But make sure you understand matrix algebra. You're PhD students. Shit. Well, I'm not smart enough to be here." <laughs> The nice thing was we all felt that way, so it was good. And we had a, it was a math major, woman with a math undergrad degree in our lab. Uh, strange story, she's a math undergrad degree, and she goes to this PGA psychology. Long time. But the next day, everyone's like, everyone was like, Chris, can you help us? And she was speaking such a different language of math, it really was no help, even though she tried. So really, it's defined through matrix algebra. The, 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 the notion's the same, the deviation of squared deviations from means, but that's actually not how computers calculate them. They're doing matrix algebra. And they actually work really well if the ends are equal, type 1 sums of squares, and they mostly work for one-way analysis of variance only. And in fact, type 1 sums of squares don't work well at all in the presence of an, intera of an interaction. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, I'll show you in a second a comparison of different types of, types of sums of squares and the fact that they come up with different numbers. And the weird thing about type 1 sums of squares, um, let's say you're doing it for A and B and A by D. 
first of all, the interaction Fs up everything. And secondly, if you calculate the type one sum of squares for A first, it's different than if you calculate type one sum of squares for B first. The order matters. Uh, it's just, it's just, believe me, just believe me. Pretend you're Catholic and I'm Pope Dave, okay? Uh, like, it, it, it's the case that if you calculate one first, because what it does is it calculates, okay, let me see if I can explain this. Let's say there's variance shared between A and B in the interaction. That's what interactions, right? So if I do A first, it calculates A, it calculates adding square <laughs> due to A, but it's also got A and B in there. Then I do B, and it gives me a value. But if I do B first, it's going to give me B and B and A. Then if I do A first, so that's why the order you do the calculations in will matter. So that's not good. So they're also, and when we have unequal cells, they don't work at all. Well, there's, there's got to be another type. There's a type two. Type twos are good when there's, they can deal with missing values. They're fine with unequal cell sizes. And what they do, in fact, is they do unique incremental amounts of variance, which is great. So they, A on its own, B on its own. Not uh, A and also A and B if I feel like it. Type one sums of squares are quite capricious that way. Whereas type twos, not so bad. But if there is an interaction, um, again, they have some trouble if there's an interaction and there are different cell, different cell sizes, different unequal sizes. Oh, well, that's not good either. Because they'll do A on its own, B on its own, but then when they do A and B, they also include, they do, they calculate A, that's right, they calculate B, fine. They also calculate A and B, which includes A and B. They have their uses, in fact, in regression. We use them all the time. And there's a reason we use them in regression, which we'll talk about. So type twos are kind of a bust for ANOVA. Type threes, if you've noticed when you've done your calculations on SPSS or PSPP, or if you've used JASP, which I've just become enamored with, when it does the ANOVA, it says type three sums of squares. Type three sums of squares work the way sums of squares you think should. You probably don't know if there's an interaction or not, because <laughs> that's if you knew, you wouldn't have to do the experiment. Type three sums of squares, you're fine. They do A on its own, assuming there's A. They put it this way. What they do is they calculate A given B and A and B. B given A, given A and A and B, and then A and B given A and B. So unique variance. So in my presenter notes, the word just simply A. It, it works. And they can deal with unequal cell sizes. I've told you about type ones mathematically, but what your computer's doing is type threes. Yeah, the nice thing is if the cell sizes are equal, type one equals type two equals type But your cell sizes in the real world usually aren't equal. So if the ends are equal, type 1 equals type 2 equals type 3. 
just going to show you. I just downloaded this. I took a screenshot. Hopefully, this is viewable. Okay. So this is all the analysis through the same way. And this is we've got an A and a B and A by B. So we've got a two by four. Okay. And this is with unequal cells, unequal cell sizes. And so the type one sum of squares. Look at the differences. Look at the, the B sum of squares. And look at the A by Bs. They're all the same. The interactions are all the same. That's great. But look at the, look at the main effects. And it's telling you it's doing A, then B, given A is already in the model, A by B given A and B. Like I was saying, the order matters. Here it's OK. It just doesn't include the interaction. This is what we like. This on A on its own, B on its own, A and B on its own. So it shows you that the reason I, I can tell you about type 1s because they're easy to understand, but type 3s are what's going on behind the scenes. So this is going to be the model we're going to use basically? You always use type 3s. Okay. You have to. And frankly, you don't really calculate type 3s involves doing matrix algebra. We get such a very good approximation doing the stuff I've taught you with the little summation signs and that that we're okay. The thing is, we're not actually, so conceptually, that's good. But the important point here is that really what's happening behind the scenes is textures of a computer program. What do I, oh, there's courses of type four. Might, no, there is no type five. But there's a fourth type of sum of squares. What if we have an empty cell? So we got an A by B, A1, so yeah, like something, well, I think I have, I have an example. So the problem with empty cells is there's no unique solution. Because you don't know what belongs there because there's literally no data. Like, okay, here you go. There's an empty cell. What goes in the bottom right there? That's a mean. That's made up of a whole bunch of observations. So 10 observations, let's say here, so we get 10 observations in A1B1, 10 observations in A2B1, 10 observations in A1B2, and oh, we didn't collect any data here. Well, we want to see if there's an interaction between A and B and the effect of you. What goes there? So what's the model here? So alpha plus beta plus yeah. alpha beta plus special. Yeah. So we'll not even worry about yeah. this because that's individual differences. Okay. So what would you do next? A solution. And you're trying to work out a logical, reasonable solution. And there's nothing wrong with that. So then if the alpha beta 
So let's assume there's an A effect. Because look, 4 and 2, 2 and, well, there's nothing there. I guess we have to guess and put a number there. Oh, or is there a B effect? 4 and 2, 2 and 2? And two? Oh, 2 and 4? But it was 0. What's wrong with a million? It was three. Look, minus pi. Yes, it is. Sorry. I'm waiting for the 71st of February for E day. Anybody got that, if you please. So I know, Dana, you're trying to be reasonable about this. There's no reasonable answer. There is no way to isolate no. the AB effect. Because I don't, how, how? You can't. There's no, there's no unique solution. There's an infinite number of possible solutions. Something you can put in would be like a, a letter to hold the place, and then you're just finding equations where you can substitute any. Exactly, but there's an infinite number of possible yeah. solutions. I of some of actually come up with solutions. In this case, it would, it would probably get confused. If you had like a, a five by five with one missing cell, type two four sum squares kind of do what you're talking about. Kind of do what you're talking about, which is like say, okay, we found all these other effects. Let's assume everything works that way and combines the way we guess, and then we can get an a a three e four where we have nothing. We can put something in there. Right? So what type fours do actually is what you're trying to do. So if you have like multiple cells and you have the lines, yeah. is it kind of like they're putting like that cell is X and you know that yes. you know, all these add up to this, so X plus this plus this X In plus essence, that's what happens. Okay. Yeah. Except it uses many major cells, but I barely understand. So that's how do we do it? You don't. Wait, wait, what? You don't. Well, then what are all those uh, the thesis students going to do? No, no, they don't have any cells. They have unbalanced designs and use that to do some sorts of things. They don't, nobody has this. Somebody has this, I'd uh, leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Also, there are supervisors who are allowed this to happen. How would you analyze this, actually? Like, if you were approaching this, you're taking a look at this and going, okay, what am I going to do? Because there is a way to, to tackle this problem of looking at, at these, at this, that's practical. And type 4 sum of squares isn't an answer to this. It would, it would come up with a different answer every time you ran it. What? Yeah. So, well, we'll probably come up with three different, probably three different answers. And none of which you could argue that is wrong or right. Because you have one missing side. What would you do to analyze this data? Because there's actually, well, yeah, Sean, it's a very simple answer. Would you just run it all three times and assume that all three? They will, they will agree. One will assume an A effect, one will assume B effect, and one will assume an interaction. So if that's not going to work. That's I guess. What else? Other possibilities? Well, that's, that's one way to do it. Let's say you can't. Let's say it's March 21st and the thesis conference is March 22nd. And you haven't talked to your advisor yet because you're a lazy guy. 
Yeah, you don't get extensions on your thesis. That's not a thing. get a fee continue to draw. Yeah, you get a withdraw with a, and we keep your money. You get a zero. So something practical. Not, not that solution or that one. Something that actually would work. Because there's a very simple answer here, and it would be okay. Oh, yes. Would you just put a zero in there? Or? Yeah, but why a zero? Why not a 43? Because you don't have value? Yeah, but zero's a number. It's different than nothing, right? No, that's, that's a nice try. It's wrong, but it's a nice try. Other thoughts? Sean? Could you just do like, like separate into two different things where you have like A with B1, B2, and then B1 with A and B2 and separate into that? Uh, you're getting two close. Tests. <laughs> well, why not just do one? Uh, there's a way to do this with one test. Okay, and? Just do one by number with three groups. I can't tell you if there's an A effect or a B effect anymore or an interaction, but I can at least tell you the three groups are different or not. I can at least do that. Just ignore the whole thing. And, yeah, just say, yeah, I didn't do that. Just ignore the whole Yeah, or A effect or B effect. <laughs> what you're doing is now comparing three groups. But at least you would have something. Right? At least you would have something. And that's what you do in this situation. Right, so if we have, and there have been situations when people didn't have all the data collected before the thesis conference, because um, they didn't say that. So, like, okay, here's a preliminary thing you can do. Just do this. Now you can't talk about interactions or main effects in your talk, because, uh, and make sure you get this all done before you wake this up. Person whose name I'm thinking right now. Guy met with me once in October. That's it. That's it. And then, like, a week before, he's like, so, uh, should I start collecting data? Like, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> See, people wonder why we change that requirement to make it higher up to get to the, that's one of them. Because those people that did things like that were always people that got, like, they just got a 60. In the third year staff and methods. Yeah, I don't think that's good. So, anyway, just saying. Um, the shark. I did have an honor student one year who analyzed all his data the night before. The thesis reports. And it was gorgeous. It was one of the easiest experiments ever. And he, only one person could do this, and it's that guy. <laughs> He's one of those guys who you see about it every so often, he just doesn't take notes, he just sits there in class, and he used to roll cigarettes. That's what he'd do, he just roll cigarettes. And, and he, talked, he talked and looked a lot like he was telling anybody that he wasn't. But he was, he was, uh, he was there with Mario Shustello. He'd be rolling. He sold me a computer once, he said, do not call for customer support. <laughs> so, I'm entirely sure where the computer came from. <laughs> Do not call for customer support. So that's what I do here is I just do that. I was telling you the other day about consulting for people in grad school, and this is what happened. They had a whole bunch of empty cells. If you have one empty cell and it's like a five by four and you can't collect any more data, it's not great, but you know, I would go say, yeah, we could probably do something here. But these guys had like a four by four and they had like five empty cells. It's like, guys, you you're missing all your data. You can't even do this. I, we could do 
that I suggested. We could just compare all groups. But we think these two things go together. Well, then you should have collected more data. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when there are just simple values missing, the type 3 ANOVA... Take the type 3 sum of sources is fine. Yeah. We don't need to do it. Yeah. But when there is an interaction missing, then you... Well, when there's an empty cell. Right. That's what this is. This is an empty cell. Okay. You don't want that. Which is a, which is a lack of data about a certain interaction combination. Yeah, exactly. Then we use, we just then we just, it. Then just turn this into a one-way you know, that's what I do. Or in fact, the better solution is go back and collect more data. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I like when you said interaction there, because that's what this is. It's, like it's an interaction of A and B, but we don't actually know if there's, you know, statistically, excuse me, an interaction. But that's what I do here, is I, you know, say, please go get some more data. And if you can't do that, just compare these three groups, but now you can't talk about A and B. You can talk about them as being three different groups. It's all you can do, right? And well, then you get asked the question, why didn't you do? <laughs> so does this basically point to like poor design in the beginning? Yeah, like it's poor design or it's poor design or uh, poor sort of protocol. When you run an experiment, what the, before you start any experiment, no matter what science you do, you write down a protocol. This is what I will do every time I run my collect data. And you write it step by step. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And whenever anybody says to me, should I run all the, this condition on this day? It's no, 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 no. What if by some strange happenstance, one day is way different than another day? I don't know how, but what if it's way different? Let's have some of the, this group here on this day, some of another group here, some of another group, we'll do it random. So it's usually poor implementation of the design. It could be poor design, it could just be they didn't even think about it. It's like you would think you threw your design on the first day and you were like, oh, look, I have to do B2, A2. Yeah, that would be, yeah, I mean, that's just, that, that would be poor design. Usually, like I said, that's quick protocol implementation. Okay. Like you have a protocol and you say, this is what I will do each day. When I run my study, this is what I do. And the other advantage to doing that is that becomes your procedure section of your paper. You write down literally everything you do in exact order. And then on the first day, you find out, oh shit, I have to do that too, so you write that in. And that happens to everybody, it's not like It doesn't matter if you're measuring something to do with <coughs> plants and their growth, or you're watching birds in an aviary, or you're giving questionnaires to people on a sign of birds. You write down everything you do every day uh, before you start. And at first it seems silly. Like I always get my students to do that. They, they think I'm crazy. No, write down what you're going to say to people. What? Write down what you're going to say to people. Because just do it the same way all the time. Because if you don't do that, you're going to forget one day to say X, Y, or Z. Questions about this? It's crazy. It's a weird topic. But it's kind of, it makes you feel better about yourself because, you know, I'd never do that. You're thinking. So it can make us all feel superior to that one guy who he didn't finish his thesis. Well, he did finish it, he just finished it. So I'm sure, maybe I'm wrong, but it's already been And I feel like 
lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for Dave, uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures from Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcasts, uh, like Podsafe Music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find, uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you call them show notes or blog posts. So, uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're, they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.